This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. Not every guest takes me up on the opportunity, but I like to do a segment called The Mic Swap, where I make my guest into the host, and then I become the guest. I let them take the conversation wherever they want to take it, ask me whatever they want, and uh, it's a lot of fun, I think. This is Mic Swap. This is Jeffrey Shaw. I'm here with Jeff Gibbard, Superhero Institute, and I have some questions. So, Jeff, what is something I want to really get to know? I know so much about you. I know it's in your heart. Uh, I know a little bit of business, but here's, what is something that no matter how tired you are before you begin, you have more energy when you finish? Cooking. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Cooking. Uh cooking is probably, well, because, so the question makes me think like, well, if it's something that requires physical exertion, I'm likely not going to feel more energized after. So I, you know, my, one of my other guts was uh, snowboarding because uh, I love being on the mountain, but I wouldn't be necessarily uh, more energized after mm-hmm. if I was kind of tired going into it. But cooking is the most meditative thing that I do when I start doing prep work and I start thinking about what I'm making and I start thinking about the timing, I'm instantly in flow state and I get lost in it. And I come out of it always feeling better. It's like a place that I go to just center myself and feel better. Yeah. I think it's the flow state, right? It's that flow state that somehow there's, um, there's this weird paradox between calmness and exhilaration when Mm -hmm. you're in flow. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever done a, a Russian Turkish bath. Have you ever done that? I have not. I've been to Japanese okay. baths, but so it's sort of like you probably have seen people in a hot tub and then they jump in snow. Yes. So a Russian Turkish bath is like a ridiculously hot sauna. That's the Russian part. And then you come out, it's like, I don't know, my temperature is like a ridiculous temperature. And then you come out and you do a 40 degree cold water plunge. And the effect is profound. I actually say it's the ideal state of mind for success and that you have a way that you're highly energized, but you're clear thinking and calm at the same time uh, has a great effect. All right. So you've been a dad now for how many months? Uh, it's nine months. About nine months. God, yep. I was going to say seven. I was a little off. So nine months. So what have you learned from your little superhero? Because as a parent myself, our children are our greatest teachers. So what have you learned about being a superhero in that little superhero daughter of yours? Ah, there's so many things. I think one, I'm just fascinated by humans now. Like the fact that like our parents, like the the first time I held her, I thought about my dad holding me and I was like, wow, this has got to be a head trip for him seeing me at 40. Um, so like every little thing uh, she does is magic. Uh, like every little thing makes me think like, wow, like life moves so fast and we don't take enough time to really appreciate like little moments, right? Like she started doing this thing recently where when she wants my attention, I'll be in the kitchen cooking or something like that. And I'm not paying attention. And she'll just like tilt her head to the side and start smiling. And then she'll see me and she just like kind of loses it with happiness. And like, nobody taught her that. And it's like a new thing. And it's a thing that one day is going to be gone. When she tries to give me kisses, she just puts her whole mouth over my nose and it's really wet. And there's going to come a day where there's going to be a last time that she does that because she's like, oh, that's not how I give dad a kiss that, you know, that's just weird. Yeah. And then that's gone. And that was, it's a thing that just like melts my soul when it happens. So I would say one, it, learning to, or maybe just being reminded to appreciate little things more is kind of one of the big things that came out of it. Um, I think the other thing is that I have noticed in myself that I have more of a capability to shift my emotional state um, than I thought I did. So for instance, you know, at the beginning of parenthood, you know, you're very tired you know, you don't get to sleep a lot, whatever. So you might be in a really like 
just awful mood because you're like going to take this kid's crying. Why are they crying? Like you're mad. And then you just get in there and they look at you and like all of a sudden you're like, I get it. It's fine. Hmm. That's right? one of the coolest like, observations I've ever heard about parenting. Totally get it. The, the ability to just instant. pivot your motion. Yeah. In an instant. Like there, there have been multiple times where I'm mad about something else, overwhelmed at work. I'm cranky. My back hurts something. And you know, she, she's going off about something, the baby, like, and, yeah. and then I come into the room and I see her and she stops crying and she just looks at me and she smiles. And I'm like, we're good. We're good. Yeah. There's nothing else to do. Emotions changed. And, and I guess what occurs to me is that if it can change because of that external stimuli, it can just as easily turn because of an internal decision. hundred percent, hundred percent. And you will find yourself what you shifting your emotions that way for the benefit of your family, you find you, you, you start doing for other reasons in your life, business and otherwise too, because you realize you have, you can, you can, you can, in fact, you have to, you, you have to shift that. And I'll, I'll tell you what, as far as those things that you're loving happening last month, I think I cried the whole last year before my son went off to college, like the whole last year before he yeah. left, because everything was the last time. This is our last time to go to the movies. This is, I mean, everything was the last time. I think I cried for the whole year. And then he was gone for two weeks and I'm like, this is kind of awesome. Like <laughs> I realized how much I really liked my freedom because I, I was a single father. So I was kind of like, I kind of like this. Didn't take long to shift. People keep saying stuff to me like, oh, it's not going to be long before you're walking her down the aisle. And I'm like, you need to shut your mouth. Oh yeah. Yeah. You don't want, don't think that far ahead yet. Yeah. yeah it's like, let me yeah. just have, one. just do not go see toy story three. It'll kill you. All right. So as much as that, so this has another, I think, interesting effect. And um, you mentioned being 40, I think you're like 41 or something. I think I'm now. 41 in May. Yeah, I thought it was very pretty close to that. I remember you turning 40. And I'm kind of curious as to where you're on, on the pendulum of, I hate to say it this way, like the pendulum of mortality, because I find that there's this weird place we get to. And it's something I've always admired about the millennial generation. Like I've always said the millennial gen generation has a unique relationship with mortality because there's a way in which they embrace you only live once. Mm -hmm. So they totally got mortality. And yet that instead of that being dreadful, they live their life more fully. They don't take jobs they're not happy with. They want to travel and see the world. They don't stay in relationships that don't make them happy. Like I love how their awareness of mortality made them live more. And that's a bit of a paradox. So I'm kind of curious now that you're a dad yourself and you're at this point in your life about to turn 41, where are you on this pendulum of awareness of mortality and living fully? So funny enough, I, uh, so I'm what I think is considered a zenial, which is like, the, I'm like right outside millennial and I'm like, I'm in that bridge between X and millennial. Yeah. And um, I actually, everything that you just described is basically how I've seen my life since my mid teens. Um, so I had a pivotal life-changing kind of moment in my, at like 13, where I was like, a, kind of in like that, like pre, like the, the, the preteen to early teen, uh, like angst, like I was a little depressed. I had like all these things going on. I was like really into like girls and like, you know, I just, I was like very like, um, uh, I don't want to say mature for my, like, I was like thinking like bigger, heavier thoughts at like 12 than I probably should have. And I saw dead poet society. And the entire theme of that movie is basically like, you never know when your day is up. Like you only have one life, seize the day. And like, as, as trite as the whole carpe diem thing has become, like at the, at the time that really struck me. And there's all of these scenes with like, these people are no longer alive. Like who remembers them, this, and that. And it like really motivated me early on to like take control and um, try to make something of my life worth leaving behind. Like legacy at like 14 became an idea for me. Um, so I've always been driven by the idea that, um, you never know 
when the end is, is coming for you. Like we all assume we're going to live into our eighties and nineties healthy, but you never know. And actually one of the things that like put a big old stamp and an exclamation point on that is that uh, on my last day of high school, my mother got into a catastrophic car accident and spent eight hours on the operating table, like traumatic brain injury. She survived, but she was never the same for the next like 20 some odd years of my life. I partly was helping to like take care of her and she just was never the same. And it just happened in an incident. It was a car accident and it just happened out of nowhere. So you never know if your body of work is complete. Like I look at like the book that, you know, I have due out coming in, uh, in next January uh, and all the things I'm working on, all the goals and things I have. And, you know, in terms of like thinking about the mortality, especially when you, when you pair it together with like having a daughter, I've tried to eat healthier. I've tried to be healthier and try to extend the likelihood that I'm going to live healthy into my old age to like, you know, see her get married and all of those things or whatever she chooses to do in her life. Um, but in terms of how it's affected me for my, like my bucket listy type goals, I've kind of always been that guy from like mm-hmm. a real, real long time. I've been driven by this idea of you only get one. Yeah. It's so important. I think it's, I said, it's something I think younger generations had. I mean, my mom is 83 years old and you know, she had to be like 78 or something when I finally convinced her to do a will because to her to look at that meant she was going to die, Yeah, you know, so not want to look at it. And I think there's a way in which you look at your mortality. And I think it's so important now because I think I really believe we're going to have people making some major lifestyle changes um, because as cliche it is, you know, life is short. It's unpredictable. Um, you know, I, I find in my own life, I've swung both pendulum. My father died at 52 years old when I was 20. My brother died last year at 59. Um, my cousin died at 44, you know, I, I have young deaths around me. And, uh, when, when I turned 52, which is the age, my father died, I I actually had to call my financial planner and say, I am so not ready for retirement. I realized that subconsciously I never expected to live very long. So I hadn't really prepared for it. And then suddenly when I got made, I made it, made it past that cusp. I was like, Holy damn, I might actually be around for another 30 years. I better be prepared for that. And now I'm convincing them to live to hundred. So I'm all good. Like I just, if I put it in my mind, that's my goal. So there's a way in which there's a tricky thing to do, right? We hold the reality that life is short and unpredictable. And on the other hand, you may as well set your highest goal possible so that you're living fully, not an easy thing to do, but Jeff, you're nailing it. I, uh, I can only imagine the legacy you're leaving behind for your daughter and any additional kids that you may or may not have. I don't know about, but, um, it's uh, you're leaving a major legacy. And uh, I will tell you now that, you know, I, sh- because my father died young and I was young, he had never told me he was proud of me, which is why I started a social media movement called I'm proud of you day on my birthday. And, um, but I tell you, there's nothing better. The better goal is when you get to a point in life, when your kids say they're proud of you. Yeah. I can imagine. <sighs> can't, I, I never, I never had a goal to, I mean, I always, I always had a goal to have my father tell me he was proud of me and he never did. And then I, we ran out of time. I never even set a goal for my kids to tell me they're proud of me. And now they're, they're in their, all in their twenties and they tell me they're proud of me. I'm like, it melts you beyond. I, I never oh, even I set it as a goal. Imagine. I can't even, imagine. I just get a smile and I melt. Oh, my daughter, yeah. she was proud of me. I would be like, you just wait. Yeah. It makes you melt. But Jeff, you're doing some awesome things. And without a doubt, everything about you is very shareable.